Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hours here. We're going to talk to ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. Special appearance on a Friday by Justin Watkins and our uh, buddy from the gambling world. Really good on hockey from Sports Grid. Brian Blessing at the end of the hour. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Candy, how excited if you're a Laker fan should you be about Anthony Davis returning? I mean, as you as you watch him, you're like, oh my god, oh my god, like hearts are fluttering. Uh, he did come back last night. Let's hope that they slowly mix him in. Seems like they're going to. He got 16 minutes on the floor last night because uh, this is a long haul process. They have clearly, based on what's happened without LeBron and AD, and AD missed what like 30 plus games. Uh, they were surviving without AD. Then LeBron went down and. Yeah, they're a, a middling club. Uh, AD is the season is very much hinging on the health of Anthony Davis. If you're the Lakers right now, you do exactly what you just did with Anthony Davis. He played, as you mentioned, about 16 minutes. He had four points. It wasn't much, but now it doesn't matter. If you're the Lakers, you don't care about what's happening on April 22nd. You care about what's happening in the playoffs. You, you care about getting LeBron James back healthy before the playoffs, and that's it. This team is so good when it has LeBron and AD at full strength that it doesn't really matter where they finish in the seeding. You don't want to have to be in the play-in tournament and then you know add that extra level of uncertainty. But as long as they're in the top six, they're fine. They don't really need to be going crazy with anybody right now. So I don't care if Anthony Davis only plays 20 minutes a night from here to the playoffs, if that's enough for the Lakers to get in. Now, I mentioned LeBron James without mentioning the tweet, the deleted tweet. People have gone crazy over this, and maybe for good reason. Uh, we're going to talk to Justin about his take on it and the responsibility a guy like LeBron James has. Uh, this has taken off as a major story, and why not? I mean, uh, LeBron James has 50 million followers. Uh, he tweets out a message about accountability, but also says, you're, na- you're next, and uh, you know it seemed to be a borderline a threat that was uh, thrown towards the law enforcement officer in – Columbus, Ohio. This is so big that it caught the attention of hometown hero, right? He's a hometown guy. Uh, OJ Simpson hero. Eh. Uh, he's always, always on the golf course. He's always looking to opine on the issues of the day, issues of the week. And uh, this one caught his attention. Go ahead, juice. Hey, Twitter world is me. Yours truly tough morning. Listening to all the criticism that LeBron uh, James is getting. Um, I'm a fan of LeBron. I admire the work that he's done, how he's helped his community and how he's helped his friends uh, and how he's been fighting all of these social issues, especially that of systemic racism in the legal system and with the police departments around our country. But you can't fight every battle, you know? You can't, uh, you gotta pick your battles. I mean, it's a war that must be fought, but sometimes you need to take your time and be a little more patient before you comment on some of these um, uh, bad incidences that are happening with police departments. Candy, if I told you back in 1996 that OJ would be the voice of reason lecturing one of the most popular athletes in the country, what would you have said? 96 OJ. Well, 96 OJ was already 
you know, a, a non-convicted murderer. So, yeah, uh, it was right about that time that I would have been thinking that we wouldn't hear from OJ about ever again. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. It, it's just interesting to see him emerge as, you know, a kinder, gentler, wiser OJ now. Ari, who is, because everyone's not happy about this, about OJ's uh, lecture here. Ari, who is Boozy? <laughs> Lil Boosie. Uh, he is a Louisiana rapper. Uh, you might remember the song where he spells out the word independent. I'm not going to do it, but uh, N-D-E, et cetera. You don't know that okay. one? All right. You I, did it. You said you weren't going to do it, but then you did <laughs> it. I didn't do the whole word. It's It, it sounds better when he does it. Uh, yeah, big star. Had a, had a pretty big career and, you know, now is uh, an IG guy. He does IG Live where he grades women and talks negatively about certain things. So mm. not sure really how qualified he is, but he has some thoughts right. too. Well, apparently he saw the OJ video and decided to make a video of his own. OJ Simpson. How the hell are you going to tell LeBron be quiet about speaking up for our race? You supposed to be speaking up for our race. Hey, I was cheering for you. We got you free. A black man got you free. The black community got you free. And you won't tell them chill out? You need to chill out. You better chill out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Boozy, the juice is still the juice, okay? I don't think I, I'm, well, I don't know a lot about this guy, so I guess maybe he's equipped to tell people to chill out. I'm not telling OJ to chill out. You keep going, OJ. Uh, this one, uh, LeBron should have waited. Uh, I'm a little upset with most of the media because they showed us edited versions of what took place with the girl with the knife. They made it sound as if this was another police officer uh, overreacting and killing a young black American. Well, from what I saw when I saw the full tape, the police um, guy had no choice. He responded. We wish he could have pulled a taser. We wish he could have done it uh, in another way. But in that instance, if he hadn't done what he did, it appeared to me if another young American would have had her life taken. Uh, um, um, and, hey, I can't fault what he did. I wish it was different, but I can't fault it. Again, go back to 1996, and could I have sold you on the deal that O.J. Simpson would be very pro-law enforcement? <laughs> well, I, listen, if... If I could understand the feelings of anyone who says, hey, you know, when you see a knife, just be a little more patient. Like, just let things, you know, let things play out. Like, it's going to be OJ, right? Like, OJ is the one who's going to say, hey, listen, like, LeBron, be patient. Wait for all of the information to come out about what happened with this person who had a knife, okay? Just chill. Just give it a chance to play out. Let's uh, allow OJ to have his final say here. As the New York Post described it, uh, this, he bashes, he's bashing LeBron James. LeBron, keep fighting the fight. I think we all got to be a little more patient. I'm against defunding the police. I think you just got to redirect some of those funds to better training and maybe dealing with more uh, um, psychological training. In any event, God bless. Wear your mask, get your shots. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, he's just saying. Uh, here's what Boozy had to say after hearing that. Get the f*** off LeBron nuts. You better chill out. You wrong, man. You supposed to be the the, fr the forefront of You supposed to be on the front line for this b Okay. 
Uh, OJ still pissing people off. What do you think, Steve? Do you think um, <laughs> do you think he thinks that Mark Furman was good at his job? Do you think he's the kind of law enforcement that OJ can get behind? No. And what I said earlier about him being pro law enforcement, he's obviously he's picking you know different spots here, and you can you can analyze the situation in Ohio and and certainly be pro law enforcement in that case. And uh, I'm not sure how to grade what Boozy is saying, um, but I might you know what I might listen to. Hey, you know what? You should be pro LeBron no matter what. Now the audience may not agree with that, but if that was if that's what uh, Boozy's getting at, I can listen to that. I'm not sure how OJ is supposed to act now. I'm not sure that we need to hear from OJ. I like hearing from him on the show, but I'm not sure that he he needs to have a say in this issue, as if he's some wise old sage. Are, are there a lot of other convicted felons that we're seeking out their opinions from? I, I, I don't know of a lot of others that we're saying, I wonder what OJ thinks. I wonder what this convicted robber thinks. Come on now. Come on. Well, like, we're treating... Know, we'll say, we're treating... Go ahead. I know, I was going to say, I, we, we do hear from a, a, a former NBA official all the time. We do, we do seem to uh, often embrace the takes of convicted felon mobsters. Again, I'm not defending OJ, but there are cases where, yeah, you know what? Uh, somehow the the slate gets gets wiped clean, and uh, people accept someone who's you know committed a crime. In this case, allegedly OJ with a heinous crime. So I don't know what he's supposed to do. I find him interesting, but I think there's a lot of people out there, and of course you see it up on all of his posts who start firing and the slicing and knife jokes. Hey, I'm also talking about the actual conviction, the one who landed him, that landed him in prison here. I'm not talking even about, you know, the, uh, the murder case, the murder case was what it was. And so be it at this point, uh, as for boozy and OJ. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's any of our places to be weighing in on what boozy thinks OJ's place in the black community should be. That's, uh, that's between them, but OJ weighing in on LeBron, Come on now. We're talking about a guy in LeBron who has made just about every right step along the way and a guy in OJ who hasn't made a right step since he took off the Bills uniform. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. All right, special appearance. Couldn't grab him in the middle of the week. Justin Watkins is here with us. Uh, Adam Candy, Ari as well. Justin, of course, from Battleborn Injury Alerts, 570-9000. My God, these Friday spots, if we started to do Fridays, I don't think we're going to, but... Uh, there's a lot to get into, legal and otherwise. Uh, and maybe the LeBron deleted tweet, I guess if tragedy struck, could become a legal issue. We can get into that. But uh, I just want your opinion on LeBron, the tweet about the law enforcement officer in Columbus. Uh, I think a lot of people thought we gave him kind of a soft touch yesterday. I know we did our podcast last night, and you were just kind of laughing at our buddy Adam Hill, who was really defending LeBron with a what aboutism, I thought. Uh, so, give me your opinion on the you know the severity of this and the importance of LeBron getting it right. 
I think it's important that he gets it right. And like I said on the podcast last night, I mean, you know, uh, what Adam was saying is, well, you know, LeBron didn't kill anybody. Yeah, it, it was ill-advised, but it, it wasn't that bad. And and I have been saying, and Adam has been saying, and a lot of people have been saying over the last four years um, when we had, you know, President Trump in office about words matter and they have implications and that you need to be held accountable for your words. And I think reasonably so. People are extending that to what Maxine Waters said and uh, in regards to the Chauvin trial. And I think that that we all need to be held accountable if we're saying things that threaten other people's lives, threaten their livelihoods. Um, and I think it's not so far-fetched that LeBron James could be in some sort of civil legal issues if this police officer felt threatened, received threats after LeBron's uh, tweet. I think it's a little bit different than what we've seen in regards to the January 6th insurrection um, because there we there was a there was a pretty clear paper trail where people were that were involved in the insurrection were specifically citing Donald Trump and his words. So unless the threat specifically cited LeBron James and his words, I don't know we'd have as clear of a connection. But but if they did, and this person was receiving death threats, this police officer, I think he he could have a claim. I don't get to listen to a whole lot of Doug Gottlieb, you know, getting ready for the show, but he's over on our sister station, uh, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. And actually one of our salespeople came up to us and they're like, you need to be more like Doug Gottlieb. He went after LeBron. Here's Doug Gottlieb. Essentially, um, what's what's the word I'm looking for where, uh, where, where people, it's not martial law, but when, when people, uh, when you take matters in your own hands, God, what is, nah, it's three justice, but there's a bigger word, vigilantism. Vigilantism. It, it's embarrassing. When you you saw LeBron's initial tweet, did you think people could take it as vigilantism? Go get that cop. I didn't take it that way, but uh, I mean, I, I guess I'd be open to the conversation as to somebody said that they took it that way. What was going through their mind? And, and through the pro, the pro, how they processed that tweet, to me, I thought it meant that the civil justice system is going to get you next because of what just happened with Chauvin, you know, and, and that trial. That's how I took it. But um, I, I, I would listen to somebody that said that they took it the other way. I mean, if someone went after the cop, right? Could there be a case saying, "Hey, you know what?" Or, or the person who went after him, the perpetrators, like LeBron told me to. Yeah, it, I mean that's why I said the the, the connection between January sixth, Donald Trump, and if somebody did attack this guy, uh, this police officer, or made threats to him, and cited LeBron James or the tweet or echoed something almost identical to what he was saying, could you make that connection? I think you could. Candy, what do you think? Did you take it at all as a threat? Not in the slightest. I didn't take it as a threat from LeBron James. I understand why he pulled it down because he said it was stoking anger and hate. But when he puts hashtag accountability, what does next mean? Next in the background of what just happened in the George Floyd trial is next in terms of the system having its way with you. Not someone out there going out there in a vigilante way and having some sort of retribution. 
but the system coming for this person next. That's how I took it too. Um, but I also think, I, I think him saying he's taking it down because of the hatred that it stoked. Look, I, I think he took it down because it's incorrect. I mean, he took it down because she, I don't know that she's actually a victim. I mean, I'm watching that body cam footage and she's got a knife and she's taking it towards the other lady's head. And my question to everybody who says, but that doesn't mean she deserved to die. Say, what, what do you want the police officer to do in that, in that scenario? If the police officer does nothing and she stabs and kills a woman right in front of the police officer, what would that family be saying about right. the police officer? Right. Like, oh, you would protect somebody in this scenario, but you won't protect our community, right? I, I, I think he took it down because he got it wrong, that he jumped to conclusions, and then the body cam footage came out, and he, he took it down because of that, not because of and, – and I think, actually, he should just admit that. He should admit he got it wrong or that he potentially got it wrong if he wants to say, we got to wait for more facts to come out. I shouldn't jump to conclusions like that. Uh, but that's not what he said, and, and I think – I think he needs to be called out for it. I don't agree. I don't think LeBron needs to be called out for it. I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't agree that he pulled it down necessarily because it was wrong. Because when we look at the perspective that it was coming from, look, in the case of George Floyd, we watched the whole thing on pins and needles because so many times we saw situations that were as obvious as many of us thought they were in terms of a police officer doing something that could be held criminally that he could be held criminally responsible for and we were told by the justice system for whatever reason that we couldn't believe our eyes that we could not believe what we saw on video and it was situations where we thought that someone clearly had been i don't know i'm not going to use a criminal term but had been killed unjustly by a police officer so if it was done out of a, a sense of confusion out of a sense of anger as it were then i don't know that he needs to necessarily apologize because if he looks at that and sees something different than we see looking at it then i i don't know that he has anything necessarily to apologize for i think the action of taking it down can speak for itself in saying okay well you know what it's not there anymore it's kind of the same in in some regards as what we talked about with uh, with mark davis do you take it down do you not take it down he chose to stand by it for for his own reasons. I I I, just, I I guess I just disagree with the timeline on that about what he what was going on in his head and whether or not he, you know, digested the video and then put that up there in response to what he saw in the video, as opposed to the reports of a death of another sixteen year old um, woman of color and by a police officer and just jumped to a conclusion. And I, I would say, you know, hey, I've, I've been here for Black Lives Matters. You know, I want accountability. But I, I unless I see something else, I don't I think that his tweeting about that in that manner, I think, set that movement backwards. I do. It, it was an irresponsible tweet. If you're going to try to develop credibility in your voice that you're going to give to this movement, then he didn't do that. He lost credibility. Let's hear from Doug Gottlieb and more of this conversation again over on Fox 1340 and 98.9.
FM is he really got on LeBron James. And then he, I, I thought he posed a pretty interesting question in terms of what are we looking for from law enforcement in situations like this? The police officer did his job. Would I, would I, would you like a police officer to go in there and take the knife and twist her arm and lock her up? Like, sure. Okay. Cops roll up. You have a knife. You go after a person. You're going to get shot. I don't know what world you, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown. It does not matter. Okay. I think there were two things in there. Yeah. Uh, the first is, you know, what do you want the law enforcement officer to do? And then the, the last part, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think that's one of the issues that it has seemed to matter. Right. I disagree. I I disagree with the tail end of that. Right. I mean, that that's the whole point. And and I think we're seeing and and thankfully, the Department of Justice is opening up, uh, you know, investigations into um, police departments throughout the country to see about disproportionate use of force uh, in and amongst races. Uh, So I and I I think we have a pretty good. we have pretty good data on that, that we know that that's, that's true, that there is disproportionate use of force against people of color and in communities of color. We know that. Um, so I, I think it does. I, I don't think that's what he was. I actually don't think that's what Doug Godley was saying as a, as a blanket statement. I think he was saying in a situation where a, one person's going after another person with a knife towards the head, you would want the police officer to protect the potential victim there every time, regardless of race, and in probably the same way, which is, it's in it's in the code. If somebody is threatening another person with deadly force, the police can use deadly force to stop that. And frankly, that they there are circumstances when they absolutely should. I don't think that there was an opportunity in this situation for the police officer to run up there and wrestle the knife away. I mean, he just rolled up and, you know, he had a split second to see that knife and as soon as the knife came out, it was going towards her head. I, I, I think he did the right thing. This isn't about all races. This isn't about that. This is about, if we're talking about LeBron James in specific, and you tied it back to the Black Lives Matter movement, then I don't think we're saying it's in the code to protect all races. We're talking about the perspective of an African-American person who many times has looked at decisions that weren't split second decisions that clearly showed that people, whether it was officers or other people who were using, whether it was disproportionate force, deadly force against black people in specific, then he was wrong about that. I can hear you on the timeline. I heard you earlier when you said, you know, that you don't think the timeline fits for LeBron to have seen the video. Okay. I I absolutely hear you on that but i i also think that when we're talking about the got what gottlieb has said here uh which i i don't know i i, I don't agree with it in short that i i don't know that we can generalize as much because these these situations are being viewed through very different lenses obviously based on which one of us is is talking whether it's on this show or whether it's lebron or obviously whether it's Doug gottlieb oh i agree i mean i i, I think that um I, I think that that last statement that Gottlieb made is inaccurate and misses the point of why there's a conversation happening in the first place. And I think we agree on that point. Um, you know, I just, from my perspective, if we're looking at this from the perspective of LeBron James using his platform to promote uh, a movement and part of Black Lives Matters and other movements, which he has done and done well, then he 
he made an irresponsible statement and tweet and could be held accountable in some legal manner if something were to happen to the police officer. I think that's possible, not criminally, but civilly. I, I think it's a long shot, but I think it's possible. And I, I think him not admitting that it was wrong I think he loses credibility. I mean, if he doesn't care about his credibility, whatever. I mean, I'm not here to, to to gauge his own credibility, but from my perspective, and I'm just one person, he, he loses some credibility with me. That's Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Alert. As we come back, uh, interesting clips from uh, what turned out to be a celebration uh, in the middle of the week. UFC is on the road, you know, Vegas-based UFC. Dana White on the road. He and Ron DeSantis were doing the victory lap. Uh, apparently, they beat COVID. They were right all along. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on. Justin Watkins, 570-9000 is the number, 570 Nine oh oh oh. Um, I don't think there's anything legal here, but uh, it's interesting. Hometown sports organization, the UFC. They're on the road. You know, they started on the road. They really opened things up in sports back in uh, May of 2020. You know, defying all the experts and saying, you know, we're going to do an event. We are going to do an event. They've done a ton of events. They've all been closed to the public. Now we've got one that is open to the public in Jacksonville. Going to have 15,000 people in the building. Want you to listen to this press conference clip as Dana White comes out and says, "You know what? We did it. These guys helped us do it." And now here's Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. And I told you we would be first. I told you that we would figure out a way to get through this. To do that, we had to have a place to go. Florida was the leader in getting things open, bringing back sports. There's a lot of people to thank, but uh, let me start with Governor DeSantis. Thank you, Dana. Welcome to Florida. For those of you who don't live here, we're happy to be hosting this. Very early on in this COVID, we were told 15 days we needed to slow the spread, but the athletics stopped, all the leagues stopped, and then we got a couple more weeks into it. It was like, wait a minute, are we ever going to do anything again? And Dana White was the one guy that was like, we're fighting. We're going to find a way to do it. And I told Dana... And I told Dana, I said, you come to Florida, we will make it happen. And UFC last May was the first sport back with live competition anywhere in the country. All right. Now, I often talk about uh, Riverboat Ron DeSantis in, in, in mocking form, but hey, let's examine this. Was he right? Did Florida get it right all along? And Hey, they opened it up to sports back in May. They hosted the NBA dealio. Now they've got 15,000 coming up in Jacksonville. We were all wrong. Maybe Ron was right. Or is there some nuance to this? I don't know. You know, I think I mean, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm more than willing to say, you know what? Hey, some states overreacted. I'll go as far as saying because um, there are people who think that Florida fudged the numbers in terms of the effect of COVID. Maybe in Vegas and Nevada, we should have fudged the numbers. Just kept it all open. I don't know. I I'll tell you this. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just moving more moderate on some of this stuff. But I'll say this. You know, like the numbers in Florida aren't drastically different on a per capita basis than the numbers in Nevada, than the numbers you know, sort of everywhere else. When you take from beginning of lockdown in March until today, 
there have been different waves in different states at different times. But on a per capita basis, when you're looking at deaths and hospitalizations, we're all in a really bad spot. And I, I said on the pod last night, with the exception of Hawaii, who has the least number and it's by quite a bit. But when you compare all the other states, and that's that's because there's there's freedom of travel. People were traveling um, to and from, and that certainly happened here. But I, I guess I'll just say this. After a year has gone by, uh, I'm glad that there were people who were pushing for more restrictions, and I'm glad that there was people pushing to open things up. I'm glad both voices were heard because at different times, I think we, I think the, there were, there were times to hear both of those and that they were sort of right. I, as, as the vaccinations have moved along, I think you've heard me move and shift from somebody that wanted, you know, more restrictions and to, and to be safer into a position of, Hey, once everybody gets a chance to get this thing, then we got to open up and, and everybody has, has made their own assessment and we can't, stay bubble wrap forever. And, and I'm really starting to get to that line. I like Clark County's plan of 80% occupancy May 1st. And then once 60% of Clark County is vaccinated, um, every the restrictions will drop. I think that that, I like that plan. I think it's a good plan. And it sounds like it's a plan that will probably be in place before June 1st. I think we have to be careful when we talk about DeSantis talking about what we hear right now versus what was the message when this first started and what was the situation then? Because the message that was being pushed by Dana White and DeSantis when the pandemic was at its worst points was irresponsible. It was damaging to our country. It was the sort of message that probably prolonged how many waves we ended up having. Now, if we're going to talk about that message today and say, can we be talking about opening things Today, should we be having discussions about Clark County doing things differently? Can we look at how many people have had vaccinations and make decisions now? Yes. But for those two to stand up there and talk about, we did it, big victory. You in specific, you two guys were supportive of a political candidate who was going to take none of the actions that have led to you being at this point today. The vaccine rollout has ramped up since January and it has been well documented in the press that the former president did not have any sort of rollout plan for getting the vaccines in as many arms as they've been in. And Dana White and Ron DeSantis were as big of supporters of the person behind that lack of a plan as anybody. So for them to celebrate like it's a political rally is a joke for them to talk today about now that things are opening up again. Sure. We all should be having the discussion about what is the responsible way to get people back to work? What's the responsible way to deal with those who have the vaccine and those who haven't had the vaccine? How do we get back to whatever looks like normal moving forward? But I, I certainly am not buying the pep rally that we just heard. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm just receptive to the idea in, you know, you guys know my politics, you know, it's it's in, it's in the public domain. I, and I was elected Democrat. So, you know, where I stand in regards to our former president and and DeSantis as well. But I guess where I'm willing to to listen to this is, yes, they were the first sport back. Yes, they've hold, held a bunch of events. And Adam said last night on the podcast that they were a wreck, but at least I thought 
from the outsider's perspective, and I have no insider knowledge, that they were trying, right? There was no, there was no fans allowed in. There was tests and isolation. They did everything that they could to put on an event with the information that we had at the time. And so I'm, I guess I'm receptive to that argument if they want to make it to say, you know, everybody was so scared and unwilling to do anything. And we put a plan together and we executed the plan. And thank you, Florida, for being the ones who stepped up to buy into our plan because our plan worked. And heck, let's face it. I mean, people want to look back on the UFC and, and they could say, well, the isolation wasn't that good. The testing wasn't that good. Uh, or, you know, like I said, Adam had a lot of criticism last night, but dude, we're losing whole teams in the NHL. I mean, we, there was football players in the NFL week after week, and they weren't getting the same criticism. I think that UFC was getting early on, I think largely because of the politics that they were spewing behind it. Right. Uh, to, to your point, Adam is like, to you know who they were propping up and and the politics and of their position was you know a lot people saw it as wrong and out of line with the reality and the threat of this virus um but in regards to how they actually executed it with the ufc as compared to the other sports even a year later i mean they've got a pretty dang good track record i gotta give them that justin Watkins with us we got about 90 seconds left sorry to squeeze you but very important story we've got another step in the uh, proceedings with Zion Collins, who was involved in the accident that killed a, a gentleman who was in his early 50s. So what are we looking at here in terms of there's some there's some questions about yep. impairment and also fault of the accident? Yeah. So uh, really quickly, and we, we said that this was going to happen very early on. The marijuana test, uh, the, the test for metabolites of THC in the system for determining impairment uh, when driving under the influence of marijuana was a new law that was passed in 2017. And legal and scientific scholars have said this isn't a great test because if you're a regular user, your, your uh, metabolites will be elevated above these levels, but you may not be impaired. And, and you may not even done it in, in relatively close time to when you're behind the wheel. You're just a regular user of marijuana. And so we've long predicted that once there's a big enough case, that something like this would happen. And so, number one, they filed a motion to dismiss all charges on the first basis that the the marijuana test is unreliable and unscientific. And I think most scientific scholars agree with that. Uh, even the doctor for Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department said that that test does not tell us how soon in time that the person used. Number two, they filed uh, on the dismissal. So that's the DUI charge. The second charge would be the reckless driving charge. They have cited video of the accident to say that the decedent, the person who died in the accident, turned in front of Zion Collins and therefore caused the accident, caused his own death. While Zion Collins was maybe driving recklessly, this is their argument, not mine, at 88 miles an hour in a 35, he was not the cause of the death. So the charge of reckless driving causing death should be dismissed as, as well. And we could talk for hours about who's at fault when one person's speeding, the other person's turning. We deal with that every day and what I do in civil work. And I'm just going to say, if there is ample time for the person who's turning in front to observe the other oncoming traffic, it's their job to assess the speed and whether or not it's safe to go. I don't know this intersection that they got the accident. I, I can't weigh in. I understand it legally, but that could be a gut punch. Yep. Real gut punch. All right, Justin. 5709000 is the number. 
uh, we actually did analyze this case a lot more on our podcast. Uh, that's up at Spotify and iTunes and iHeart. You can get it all over the web. So, uh, And we also tweeted it out. So check that out. That's our Law and Sporter podcast. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Rolling on, good spot there from Justin Watkins. Fired up about this one as we get a chance to talk to uh, Brian Blessing, our buddy over at Sportsbook Radio, now with Sports Grid, doing... uh, Big things, big things. What's going on, Ryan? Steve, how you doing, man? Good to hear your voice. Haven't seen you in a dog's age. I know, right? Coming out of the pandemic, we'll have, we'll have to catch up. Uh, Adam Candy is here as well, and we want to start off talking a little bit of hockey before we uh, shift to a little NFL draft. Uh, can you put into perspective, and maybe you're not wowed by it. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, can you put into perspective the Knights coming into the league and four years in, four playoffs, they clinched first this year, they have set a standard, I think, around the NHL, but especially in this market, I feel like putting a little bit of pressure on the Raiders, frankly. Oh, it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the Blues waited 50 years to win a cup. The Leafs haven't won a cup since the early 60s. I'm a Sabres fan. They've never won a cup. And everybody around here, uh, you know, Foley's first thing was playoffs in three, cup in six. Well, it's a cup contender four years in a row out of the gate. It's unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. And the other thing that's crazy is that, uh, and this happens to so many sports organizations, Brian, they will stick with the same people in spite of the fact that it just ain't working. And the the Knights, again, setting a standard like, you know, loyalty is cool, but if you want to win, you're going to have to turn over the roster. And, uh, you know, 10 guys left from the first year. It's pretty incredible. No, and those guys got paid and they've developed some chemistry. I think at some point, Steve, you know, this roster's built to do big things this year. It'll be interesting to see if it comes up short this year, what, what the master plan may turn into. But you can't knock their depth. You got two stout goalies, and they're absolutely a contender. Yanmark comes in at the trade deadline, looks like a nice piece. I think Krebs is going to be an X factor for these guys when his junior season ends. So they got a shot, but the bottom line is Colorado's a monster. In the East, Carolina, Tampa Bay are monsters. The playoffs are a squirrely thing. It's a battle of attrition, and you got to stay healthy. So when we look at the playoffs, Brian, and Steve has been very clear on this show about saying it's cup or bust for <laughs> the Golden Knights, and it's tough to predict those playoffs because of what you just said. It could be like Colorado last year with their goaltending situation where everything goes sideways really quickly. So I guess my question to you is, how reflective of how good the Golden Knights are will it be in terms of how they do in the playoffs. I know that seems simplistic, but there is a lot of crapshoot element to once we get into the playoffs. Well, that's what you're graded on at the end of the day, uh, Adam. And, I, you know, the other thing is this year, don't lose sight of the fact you're playing Arizona, Saint, uh, San Jose, L.A., and the Ducks over and over and over again. So the record's great, but, you know, let's take it with a grain of salt, you know, who they're playing on a regular basis. So you're going to be graded on what you do in the postseason. But as you alluded to, Colorado could have won the Cup last year, but they got mangled with injuries everywhere, and they were down to their fourth, third-string goaltender. you got to be healthy. If they're in Vegas, honestly, last year, that's the nature of this team. They're deep. They roll four lines, and it looks great night after night. 
but it is a team that gets pretty streaky offensively. Right now they're in an unbelievable good offensive snap. But if they go cold as a group in the playoffs, you're on the golf course. No question about it. And let's play out that idea you just mentioned of who they play in this division, because obviously we're, we're likely to go back to a more traditional alignment come next year. And what we've seen this year out of Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee are some gymnastics when it comes to the salary cap, right? Some games with five defensemen, some games with seven defensemen. Dylan Coughlin is a right wing. He's a defenseman. He's all over the place. Like they have had to manage a lot when it comes to the cap. Uh, do you think that that's something they can continue to do? Or do you think that there's some sort of reckoning when it comes to that this offseason? Well, at some point, I mean, the salary cap remained flat. But, you know, when you pick up an $8 million defenseman and you have $12 million in goaltenders, you better be good at playing chess with the cap. Brian Blessing with us here on Cofield and Company. Uh, Brian, tell people where you are because uh, uh, in terms of availability now, you're up on uh, satellite, right? Yeah, no, uh, doing an extra hour or two, I'm like you. This three hours a day thing, it's a gauntlet. Now I know how hard you work. Um, <laughs> now we're on a 11 to 2. 11 to 1 is Sportsbook Radios on the Sports Grid Radio Network series channel 204, and then we do Vegas Hockey Outline um, up the dial at uh, 1400 KSHP. That's at 1 o'clock. Brian Blessings with us. All right, let's talk about the hot topics in the uh, NFL draft. What have you guys talked most about in terms of uh, props and betting interest in this draft next Thursday? It's amazing with the, the quarterback stuff, Steve, You know how this is all going to shake out. And you look at three and four. What are the Niners going to do? What are the Falcons going to do? And this tight end from Florida, he looks like the real McCoy, but a tight end going in the top four, that's unbelievable. And then you got wide receivers all over the place. It, I think the really good teams in the league are sitting down from 20 on down. They're going to be some incredible defensive players that are going to fall in these guys' laps. Yeah. Oh, by the way, congratulations on your new quarterback. I think you're going to like that kid. You think so? Huh? Are you being a Bills fan, rubbing no, in my no. face in it? No, 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 no. I, I, he, <laughs> he looks. I, I like. I like him better than Lawrence. You do. I do personally. Now, now that's crazy. Why is that? Well, I think I'm not knocking Lawrence, but don't forget Lawrence has been playing on an NFL team basically for three years. This Wilson kid, he just looks the part. I just love the way. You know, the way he throws, his eyes are always downfield. He throws great on the run. Uh, honestly, if, if you like the comparison, I don't think he's as physically tough as Josh Allen, but I think he's he's got a little Josh Allen in him. And I'm thrilled to say that today because Adam's not there, and I don't have to waste Adam Hill. Adam Hill's not there. I don't have to waste By the way, has he, has he ever, has he ever uh, you know, got fallen on that sword yet? Come on, Brian. You know the answer. I know the answer, but eventually the reality anvil falls out of the sky and hits you in the head, doesn't it? Uh, I'll tell you this. He, for the longest time, we're talking about a guy who's not on the show right now, but for the longest time he was uh, anti-Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson, his take on Russell Wilson was game manager, and then at some point you know, Russell Wilson showed he's a one-man team. Uh, he just he'll soften his stance. We'll see what happens with Josh Allen. I, to me, the Josh Allen thing is fascinating along with, we, you know, we're going to get to the news about Baker Mayfield and his option, and then Lamar Jackson. But Jackson and Josh Allen, I mean, what do you do here? You know, If the going rate is $38, $40 million a year, uh, Josh Allen is still a developing quarterback. Have you seen enough to commit 
you know, mega money with some giant guarantee and 40 mil a year? I guess the answer is yes, because I thought the first two years he was running around doing great things with nobody to work with. And then they finally got him serviceable guys like Diggs and Beasley, and he took off. The other thing, it's a three-year sample, Steve, so I'd say yes, I think I've seen enough. The other yeah. thing is, if he does that again this year, the $40 million contract he's going to sign is going to turn into 50 What do you think the Raiders are going to do in this draft? Uh, if you wanted to bet position, you can get a position prop where you can bet you know, you name it, offensive line, defensive back, linebacker, defensive line. O-line is the favorite. What do you think the Raiders are going to draft with that first pick at 17? They're a tough one to predict. I mean, Mayock will go off the board, but I would think he's looking long and hard at, at upgrading the defense. If, if I saw him on the news last night saying they moved these guys on the offensive line because they felt they had young guys in place that were ready to take the next step. I think they got to shore up the defense. I, I would think you're probably looking at a linebacker, maybe an edge rusher. All right. All right. Well, there's uh, there's longer odds on those, so you can win some money. Hey, Brian, we, uh, we kind of squeezed you today. I want to talk to you soon, so let's hook up again and appreciate the time. Have a good weekend. Always a pleasure, Steve. Adam, Ari, you guys have a great day. Yeah, you can hear Brian's show now on uh, 204 on Sirius XM. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.